0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers Podcast, the podcast that's throwing its name into the ring. Why not? This week on Heart and Hand, farewell then, Pedro Cachina, We hardly knew ye. Welcome to Art and Hand, the Rangers Podcast. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host and I'm joined this week by a just married, uh, and still has all the, the confetti in his hair, Cameron Bell. David, great to speak to you. How's married life treating my buddy? Uh,
0: it's going alright, it's going alright. It's... Uh... Well, I'm, I'm wearing her ring. Let's
1: put it all like that. Hey, hey. and uh, also making as a three-man booth tonight, uh, making his, if you like, his first team league appearance after a solid debut on the Carabao Cup side. It's Alex Staff.
2: Hey, gentlemen, how we doing? I'm
1: uh, not too bad, my friend. How's how's life been treating you this week?
2: Um, it's been a uh, it's been nice and normal, I'd say. <laughs> uh, not, not not from a Rangers perspective. But yeah. everything else has been going fine.
1: Do you know the worst of it is? It kind of has been almost normal. From I've I've grown in the last five six years that this is normal for us. I don't think we have now a setting that's just you know like uh, you know like when you see the 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 kind of beep in the hospital on the we don't have that flat I suppose flat that's flatline and you would die. But we are constantly up and down.
0: So let's go. well, well. You disagree with that to an extent when you consider. When I was in the country, we were winning games and we had a manager. I leave the country, we get chucked out of a cup, we drop points at home, we don't have a manager any longer. I come back, they win at Murrayfield.
1: Well, it's blatantly selfish then that you went away. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Well, um... We, we we did do a pod in the immediate aftermath of the Kilmarnock match last week because due to my house move and everything, uh, that uh, we had to go a day early. So, of course, Rangers um, took action. I think we sort of predicted it because the feeling in the air at Ibrox that night was, this is done, it's gone too far. Um, Pedro's sort of change of tenor from, you know, I'm the manager, I take responsibility to... Uh, that an embarrassment, etc. and telling uh, told Miller, Wallace and Cranshire not to attend the commandment match. To me, the change in tenor indicated a man who knew his time was up and on Thursday morning, he was dismissed from his position. So, uh, Normally we start with the match, but I don't think in, in such a momentous week we can do that, we can give the match any context without, first of all, talking about the, the Thursday and the Fridays events. So, first up, Alex, Pedro... Seven months and dismissed your your thoughts, first of all, on his tenure and his, uh, his eventual departure.
2: I know you guys will disagree. I actually think he might have been the unluckiest manager we've ever had, genuinely. Uh, I look back at some of the games that went tits up and I just cannot understand. And, and Wednesday night, they're almost summed up. Five minutes between a penalty being awarded and being allowed to be taken—I don't think I've ever seen that before. You knew he was missing it after that long away. Then they got up the park and scored a ludicrous goal in the 96th minute. And I'm sitting there thinking, how how is this even possible? I, I don't know how. It's as if I try to write new ways to fuck games up. Mm. Wasn't
1: it? Didn't you feel this is as soon as we missed the penalty and everything, and Jack had been sent off and whatnot? Didn't you just feel? They're going to score. Everybody in that stadium, from the St John's Ambulance person to, you know, the the, the kid behind the, the burger stall who doesn't know any about football knew Komarnik are going to score here. It was written in the stars. And as you say, I I mentioned about Pedro, and we'll get into this in the analysis um and there's this is a point for you, Cami, That Pedro was a guy who, when it came to fine margins, always fell down on the wrong side. And and some of it was luck Alex's right. My view is that if it's constantly you're falling the wrong side, then it's a question of ability. I don't think luck is that much. Or if it is due to luck and I'm wrong, then you're just snake bit and it's better to get out of the spell. Uh, I, I thought it was, if you like, the most apt summation, as Alex says, of the sort of thing that was happening to Pedro Cashina's Rangers.
0: So I, I don't think luck is really kind of comes into it. Because if you're going to use that as a performer, then Alec Ferguson must have been one of the luckiest managers that's ever been involved in the game when you consider how many last 10, last five injury time winners that Man United got over his kind of career. Um, but the problem you've got with this, and I've mentioned this in the pod previously, was Katrina had to have a good transfer window because we had really poor ones and a run-up to that, and he was going to live and die probably by those signings. Um, and I, I don't believe that worked, if I'm being perfectly honest. And uh, I, I'm already starting to see the fact that, I suppose you potentially could argue as to who some of the best signings that we brought in. So forget the, 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 the domestic ones. I would say Morelos has probably been the most successful signing that we've brought in and I don't think that was anything to do with Coutinho and worse than that he made decisions to buy players who he preferred over domestic players that we should have bought and the reason why he's lost his job is that those players have come back to haunt us and I think um, personally I would have preferred to have seen the, the seen him go after the Motherwell game Kermarnik to me if we don't have that crazy last five minutes and let's say we either score that penalty or we keep a clean sheet to the end of the game and win 1-0 I still think he'd be manager and actually Well I think, I think we, that probably does a favour.
1: But I think we lose at Tynecastle if he's a man at Tynecastle at Murrayfield if he's a manager anyway. I, I think that Yeah and, and I want to talk to you about this, Alex. Alex, for those of you who don't know, is a, a student of psychology and uh is, is interested in, in sports psychology and how it affects sportsmen. Alex, is there a time when psychologically because it is employee relations at the end of the day. I mean, it's in a different context, but it's still people's places of work, and we've all experienced similar things with a manager, perhaps, in our time. Is there a point where just because simply of of the makeup of human emotion and and the, you know the way the brain works, that a situation is unsalvageable?
2: I think footballers. Especially falling into this trap Of just allowing themselves to make excuses And, and, and be able to point to someone else um, I don't really we, we had some debates last season As to the effort of the squad under Warburton There'd be games where a lot of people felt They just weren't trying We've never really said that about this squad We've certainly seen effort from them I mean, you Take somebody like Daniel Candice, for example Probably does more running in a game Than I've done in my entire life But the they, they sort of, when I talk about the bad luck, I'd like to just kind of be clear there. When I talk about bad luck, I'm not saying that's the only thing that went against them. He made mistakes. There was absolutely no doubt about that. But you know, I kind of think that things like the, the sort of luck of the, the the way a game goes. They came off the Motherwell game and, and they just sort of seemed to accept that things had went against yes. them. was a bit of anger at the yes. referee. There, there wasn't really a what could we have done better? And, and Pedro kind of tried to challenge them. He said, you know, we do, We let ourselves get drawn into Motherwell's style of play. The players let themselves down. Let's see a reaction. We never got the reaction, which kind of suggests, again, they were just looking at him or external circumstances and going, that's why this isn't working. It, it's pretty, it's Yeah, it's something that definitely happens to everyone anywhere. You can definitely be looking to blame other people for that. I think footballers are particularly prone to it, especially these days. There's not very many who look in the mirror and think, I could have done better there. They they tend to blame a manager, blame a referee, crowd pressure, anything um, comes before, well, I actually played pretty poorly, I need to go and sort that.
1: Now... We can kind of uh we all have heard things, and I'm sure the, the listeners have all heard things about what was going on, but I think what was apparent at the end, especially was that the old cliche of losing the dressing room uh, had happened now one of the things about Pedro is when he arrived, he was aware that because he maybe didn't have the reputation that you know that a manager that the players knew better um he had to get if you like the kind of senior pros on side. And that was the whole Kenny Miller thing at the end of last season, where he was uh, he was shoehorning Kenny Miller into the side. There was times, you know, Miller's form wasn't great and he was playing or he was playing in midfield or whatever. And he was very aware of the importance of getting Miller. Uh, and also, if you look at in the summer, he then named his, if you like, his five on-field leaders. And... To me, it was telling that of the five that he named, um, which of course were Lee Wallace, Kenny Miller, Nico Kranjcar, Graham Dorans and Bruno Alves, three of them by that stage had been ordered not to attend the match. So I think that there is a, a real argument that at some point the relationship between players and coach had broken down. And the interesting thing is people are always keen in a situation like this to almost point to a kind of us versus them thing in terms of foreigners and uh, oh there was a clique of this or the foreign players think this, in this instance a lot of the foreign players sided with the playing squad and there is no massive divide among pro-Pedro and (coughs) anti-Pedro factions in the squad, it it simply hasn't happened Uh, Bruno Alves for example was spoken to by director to see his feelings on on the matter and and almost to the surprise of of those involved, that there was no no word from alves and he was speaking if you like on behalf of the 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 newcomers and the foreign players that they 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 shared the general feeling of the rest of the dressing room which was pedro was aloof he was excitable he was difficult he could be difficult to deal with and that they felt he played to the gallery a lot in terms of his pronunciations and some of the stuff he'd done, which we know the famous story of he made them come back from training, eh, come back from holiday earlier to start training. He was, you know, bringing them in at six o'clock in the morning at times. He was um, making first team players train with the the development squad. The feeling among the players was that sort of thing was playing to the gallery. that that created a fissure between management and players and in the end as I say it is a cliche but it was true that the players didn't rate him, they felt that he was hard to understand that his coaching was not sound that his ideas didn't work and weren't good and for his part and the coaching teams that they felt the players were willfully not listening were not taking on board new ideas were resistant to change but that was also true of some of the senior players and some of the players who arrived in the summer. So the feeling was almost that that new players arriving in the dressing room were being, you know, if you like turned against the, the manager or, um, almost immediately. Um, by the end, it was a situation that could not be turned round because nothing that uh, that anybody did, the, the players didn't trust the manager, and the manager didn't trust the players, and it became a very fractious relationship. Cami, uh, when that happens, you know, should, yes, it's it's bad. We're saying that the management has been let go, but when that happens, I really don't see how short of ditching most of the players again and and starting again, it could have been turned round.
0: So I think there's a there's a couple of points in there, David, when we talk about it. I think what's really interesting is that when you you gather people's opinions about is he was a nice guy. We wanted it to work for him, but it didn't. And actually, it's, it feels a lot to me that there's a there's, there's two very different sides to him. And I believe that you don't start banning players. You don't start demoting players. Um because of the fact that you're, you know, a huggable wee pal. And actually, it almost feels a little bit like the opposite end of what happened with Alan McCoy's when he was too close to the players when he was managing them rather than being assistant manager. And Kachinya now was quite cutthroat with some of them. So there's there's definitely stuff which has happened behind the scenes which has obviously started to repel the players away from him. And if he had to come in and fall out with a a player, senior or otherwise, who was going to create the divide that you're talking about, the worst person he could pick was Kenny Miller. Because you can see, and even from his goal celebrations um, on Saturday, you could see how much the rest of the players actually have a lot of time for him. And he was... And I don't believe for a a single second that if he'd had that type of fallout with Danny Wilson, with... uh, Tavernier, any of them that he would have had that same fallout from when that's happened
1: what I will say Cammy is it wasn't that he deliberately picked Kenny Miller and said I'm going to fall out of you that wasn't the case it was the opposite he picked him and said you're going to be my senior pro and I'm going to try and parlay your dress I understand that the, the players don't really know who I am, that they're a bit surprised at the appointment, and what I want to do is, is get the key influencers in the dressing room on site. Yeah, so, it's, it's like,
0: it, you know, I don't think for a single minute, it's like that old adage, isn't it, about you want to come in and stamp your authority, so you pick on someone, and like you know you immediately fire them or something, it's not like that. No,
1: there were you know, players the, the, that it was the, felt yes. that he did that with, there were players it was felt that he came in and made an example of, uh, and I'm not yeah, sure it had the effect are, he thought we just
0: fans need to remember this, and this is me sounding a bit like I'm, um, you know, on my soapbox here is You hit the nail on the head earlier on He continued to play Miller Even when he was so desperately out of form Everybody Questioned why he was getting a start Why he was even getting into the first team Because he was playing so poorly And what people need to remember With this is, as well is Kenny Miller, shy of scoring a hat-trick Probably couldn't have had A better return on Saturday He scored two goals He set up the third with an exquisite pass,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he still spat his dummy out when he was getting taken off the park. And actually, I didn't think what I didn't think What that. he should have been doing is he should he should have come off that, and he's totally Probing his own point. He, he, he's he's showing that he's he's been able to make that contribution in that game, and he's won it for us.
1: I think that's harsh, Cam. I, d- I didn't see that at all. I didn't think. Okay, that was the case.
0: well. He still had a face on him when he's to well, see the camera was on him when he was sitting he on the bench. He wanted to stay However, his
1: hat trick? I mean, that's that's you know he's not. The so, first I, I, so I get
0: that, but Coutinho stuck by him in the early stages when he wasn't playing anywhere like that, and he was still getting that game time. And then when actual fact he then started to talk about dropping him, I would really look to question as well what Neller's attitude was at that time because I don't believe that that's all been one sided on Coutinho's. on Kachina's fault I definitely think Miller's contributed a great deal to that
1: Alex the feeling that that was coming from the Pedro camp was in fact that he had treated Kenny Miller very well and in fact had had singled him out as a senior pro and treated him with that level of, of respect and that they were disappointed that Miller, who through time it wasn't immediate, began to question Pedro's ability and skills. They felt that that was a bit ungrateful considering just what Cammy had said that he had stood by him through bad form and in fact praised him to the help. So I think that in fact that might have made the divide greater because uh, Miller, uh, Miller for his thing Felt that here was a manager who, who wasn't up to the job And on the other hand uh, that Pedro felt You should be backing me Given the given the, the backing and the faith I've shown in you
2: I think I think we sometimes forget Just how much pressure a Rangers managers is under And then it, it tends to See them go on the defensive quite a bit You know Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was just an overreaction on both sides. Um, it seemed to come after the Celtic game, um, some sort of team meeting. That was a rumour, wasn't it? That was a story that, that went around. That's what a-
1: happened. There was a clear air meeting where both sides put forward their case. But what happened was, although the air was clear and everybody knew where they stood, it didn't kind of salve the wound what happened is everybody came out just further convinced that you know the players thought they were right and the management were further convinced they were right so uh, i mean they said it to their faces if you like it was one of you know nobody was was in the dark but the players blamed the management and the management blamed the players and when they left that meeting
2: nothing had been resolved except that both knew what had happened yeah it's kind of ironic you, you get a lot of fans who, who shout for suniss to come back um, obviously never going to happen Because the guy's been done with management For a long time now But uh, if you think back to Soonis's time He was fractious, he was contagious He fell out with his players We pretty much just had the Portuguese version of him there hmm. Without the success obviously You know, um, I don't know, I think Pedro was just one of those characters He went on the defensive a bit Because he was under a lot of pressure as well um, Kenny Miller's probably not been slow in telling him and he's not doing too well And he needs to buck up his ideas uh, I think it was probably an overreaction all around Pedro would have seen the writing on the wall a while ago I'd imagine um, As much as some of his, myself included Hope that he would turn around and try to defend him I wouldn't be surprised from his perspective If after the Celtic game he kind of knew his time was, was short
1: I think that results, if they'd turned around Obviously would have changed it But I, I do believe that the more that I'm hearing And the more that's coming out That it was the, the breakdown in relationship, and that's why the board, who and Pedro to the last had supporters on the board. Um, that that we should be clear on this. This wasn't in any way a unanimous board that sat down and said we've got to get rid of him, there was discussions, and I think that it was that factor that the players almost collectively said this guy doesn't have it. And if you know, when he spoke to Pedro he would say they don't listen, they don't do what they're told, that it became a situation where it was one or the other. And in football, as we've said on this show many a time, you can't sack the dressing room, you can sack the management team and, and that is of course what's what's happened in this but instance. Y-
0: you can't, right, and that's that's a good point. And I think actually the Soonis analogy is definitely a good one. But you've got to remember with Sunis, when Soonis was managing players and even when he was playing five a sides, Soonis openly stated that he was still the best player at the club. <laughs> that was his attitude But he had the the medals to back it up. What What's more of a concern going forward Is in that relationship breakdown that You've just mentioned I don't believe that any intermediary Was coming forward from either the board Or the director of football To salvage that relationship
1: No, and you, you make a good point with Going again back to the Soonest thing He had Walter there as his buffer so yes, you had Sunnis that would, as you say, do this with the players, but they always said, "Well, or to go over and go, you know, you know, he doesn't mean it, or whatever," and to go back to Sunnis and say, "You know, you went too far there. You need to kind of say to that guy." Or so there was that fact.
0: There was a calming influence. But the the problem that you've got with that, though, Davey, is that when you're then because everybody knows this, right? Whether any club wants to come out in a minute, but players have got the, the massive amount of the power, and you can't sack them unless they've got a real contract breach or something happens. So therefore, usually, as we've said before, the manager ultimately carries a can. But what would have been very interesting, because I've not heard anything about this, and I don't know if either of you two have, is well, no, anyone from the club, whether it was Robertson or or anyone was actually proactively stepping in to try and recover what that situation was. Because whatever was happening behind the scenes and who Miller was training with or whatever else as well, but as we've already highlighted... Miller, Crancher, and Wallace were all told to effectively stay away from Ibrox. Now, whatever is happening in the dressing room, I don't believe the board will be privy to. But even from a PR perspective, it looks bad and it looks amateurish. And I think a manager with more gravitas and more experience probably could have got away with that. But the board appointed this guy, and the board knew his limitations and his experience. And I don't believe for a single minute that that was going to continue to carry water. But I have heard nothing, zero, about anyone from the board actually trying to step in to repair that relationship from a third party perspective. My
1: understanding of it is that that didn't happen and that, in fact, they didn't want to get involved. Um, And my understanding is that certain players did approach uh, Stuart Robertson and... That his view was that it wasn't his department to interfere in, if you like, first team matters. That's my understanding of the situation.
0: That that I'd probably, and I know we're going to talk about recruitment in a minute, but that again really greatly concerns me about where Stuart Robertson is in his capacity as CEO at the moment.
1: Um, Alex, to, to yes. you know, further go in there about a bit Canning's point, is it the role of, of the board to intercede when there's a dispute like this or is it something that the, the DOF has been appointed to do and does that perhaps further then highlight the problem where the DOF isn't someone who's worked or knows or had recommended the manager previously?
2: But There was definitely a problem that you know that the Mark Allen wasn't involved in that process because obviously he was hired well after. The, the board made a mistake when it came to the hiring of Kishinya in terms of timing. Um, we really should have had the director of football in first. But uh, yes, it probably should have been the role of the director of football to at least be relaying this to the right people and to, to try and step in. Maybe even have a word. as you said, like what Smith used to do as soon as, have a lot with Pedro and his management team. Ask him if, uh, if there's any other way he could have approached this, you know. Mm. But um, I, I, I kind of want to expand on Cammy's point slightly, and it's something you mentioned earlier, David, it might it might fit more in with recruitment later on than this, but my understanding was that Dave King was one of the supporters of Cushinia, even after the Motherwell semi-final. He, he still felt as though he was the man that should be there um, and was the right appointment. And then... King was sitting next to him in the commandment game took a, bit, but took a bit of abuse after that game went the way it went and seems to have changed his mind is that not a bit concerning going forward um, yes
1: and no because I think that that's just a standard thing in football that direct football managers don't get sacked when they're getting abused they get sacked when directors are getting abused and that's universal around football and around the world and Dave King lives in South Africa and watches the matches on Rangers TV and um, there is the argument that he possibly wasn't aware of the feelings of a number, I, and I, I would say a majority of Rangers fans, because especially in the internet community that we perhaps think that we're representative of, of a bigger chunk of the Rangers fans than than we are at times, um, as members of the the internet community. And I'm talking to our listeners here, and I'm talking to the uh, you know social media users. We we all because we you know we're, we're on there all day and we, we share. I think we sometimes forget maybe the guys who you know do turn up at the games and and listen to phone-ins and whatnot, I think that we had maybe not quite understood their level of anger. And when it came out against against King there, I, I think that also there were other factors that were brought up to him within the last couple of days that he, or certainly within... The after Motherwell and uh, after Komarnik that he he hadn't been aware of and again that that maybe goes back to the argument we've had before about the key decision maker at Ibrox being so remote and not really being there and understanding the day to day emotions that are running through the football club on the one hand uh, you could argue and and it's a good argument. That a decision maker needs to be above the fray, you know, needs need not to be influenced by the ups and downs and needs to be able to keep a clear head, an overview, and follow the strategic plan. Against that, a football club with the raw emotion that it runs on and that it sells on and capitalises on, maybe that's slightly different. So I think that there was an element of him learning about certain things that he, for whatever reason, hadn't known before. And I think one of them was the level of anger by the supporters. Because the fact is, the supporters didn't know who Pedro Cashinha was, didn't particularly want him, and then he never impressed them. And it is that simple. And and for all the soundbites and whatnot, there was one result, really, in that time that you would say was... Was a really, really great result, and that was Petardry. And bar that, it's been disastrous results mixed with decent ones. And I think that Pedro, and I'm, I was one of them, and I know you are, Alex. And I know even you, Cami, were where as well. That I think Pedro's manner carried him further than his results probably should have.
0: I think we 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 saw, and one thing that I will speak positively about the board because I'm I'm not. In a, in a very, very favourable position with our current board and structure at the moment, will say that we didn't procrastinate as long with Coutinho as we did with Warburton where he went when it was right rather than dragging our feet like we did with the previous manager. Uh, so I, I agree with that, but then we also gave him enough time to be able to try and put a run together and th- there's a point to that where I think, and it's old Walter Smith adage, isn't it, that a Rangers manager's only ever two games away for getting the sack, well, we gave Kachinia time to be able to try and put that run together and put that momentum together. And actually, if you want to look at our friends across the city, that's that's why they are going on this run is because they have that momentum and the wave and wave and waves of confidence that it brings. Purely just because you have it, not because you're playing well or that you're tr- actually you're doing well because you have that belief in yourself. And we we never had that. We never had that under Coutinho and I think that you're saying there about when he was when he was appointed the supporters didn't know who he was Neither, did neither did most of the players
1: No, I mean absolutely. The, ones, absolutely the
0: ones that he recruited obviously knew him but the majority of the players didn't I don't believe for a single minute Graham Dorns knew who he was so it's it's there's a part to that where there was a lot going against him in the first instance he just couldn't he, he, he couldn't motivate and he couldn't manage the players well enough to put it together to to continue being in the job on a longer term basis and it, it, to a certain extent it was an experiment which never worked.
1: Alex, is someone who was a, a, a quite passionate defender of Pedro up to and, and including the end um, what's your, your take and what would you say to, to what Carney kind of had said there?
2: Um, Well, uh, to your point, uh, yes, it was a bit of a force of character that dragged them through a lot of things. Uh, Best example, the progress away game. We've never had a manager who would have had the balls to go outside and try and speak to the fans after a result like that. Um, Not one, no one. I mean, we can even remember back to the days when Alex McLeish would describe a win as one for the Alex McLeish fans and all that sort of stuff. Um, We've never had a manager who would have... Taking that opportunity To try and actually Personally go out And apologise to fans And I think things like that You're right They did carry him through Some of these worst results his, his sound bites His force of character And the fact that We were determined That this guy worked um, Not just because He was a Rangers manager But because he seemed like The sort of guy You could get behind Yeah You know Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's rather interesting though That that was Our Take on him And uh, you know I'll, I'll happily hold my hands up And say that I, I fell for that Um, that was our take on him but earlier you mentioned that the players didn't really see him that way that's that's interesting um, because those are the guys he really needs to convince you know Um, Walter never really played to the gallery ever no um Many a time He'd get criticism For team selections Or approaches You know think your European run we, we moaned through Most of that Because of the, <laughs> the Negative approach In our games it's, it's crazy When you think back To that isn't it Really mm, Considering what we Went through recently But you know We were complaining About not having a go And stuff He didn't care he done exactly The same next time Got us the results You know he, in that respect, he, he made sure the players were on board for what he wanted. Whereas it looks as though, as you say, Pedro was playing to, to us and not enough to the people who are actually going to keep him in a job. So, yeah, I kinda, I'll i admit, I kind of fell for that side of it. I probably had what you've called before the, the John Flex syndrome. I really, really wanted it to work more than the evidence suggested it was ever going to.
1: And I think that that was at the end. You and I were, and we've had conversations about this privately, we were both. Determined that we would give this guy every single opportunity and look for anything that was a positive. But yeah, the, the situation isn't unique to us. For me, it mirrored a, a recent one being Claudio Ranieri at Leicester. The the players felt that the kind of whole avuncular, cuddly, everybody loves Claudio act was not the guy that they knew and was not the guy that they saw uh, on the on the training ground every day. And it created a divide that eventually, when whenever the results turned meant, as Cammie had said earlier, an adversity is when those kind of issues get magnified and get expanded and become... It's fine when you're winning, Um, everybody can live with it, but as soon as it's it's not going so well, then the problems of personality, if you like, start to come in. So, uh, with that, then we um, moved forward, we appointed Graham Murty, um, who's back for his his second spell, our, our Tony Parks, and... We go to Murrayfield for a very difficult match on paper. And Cameron, fall behind to possibly the best moment I have ever seen from your boy with an absolutely stunning, unstoppable free kick. And I have to say, in a week where an ex-Ranger for me permanently soiled his reputation as an ex-Ranger and cut Broadfoot, who I think has now eclipsed all the stuff he did in his time as far as Rangers fans are concerned and made such an arse of himself. Um, And it's now, for me, that one's up there with getting attacked by a poached egg in terms of making him look like an absolute fud. But to then see... I wouldn't have blamed Lafferty, incidentally, A, for celebrating a goal against us or B, for celebrating that one because it was a stormer. And I thought his reaction was incredibly classy. It
0: was, but then, you know, obviously being an expert on this, David... Yes. Um I feel that actually Lafferty's best moments was, you know, when he won us two leagues single handedly. However I agree with everything you're saying. I knew that he wouldn't celebrate if he did score against this. Um ironically I think that that free kick was pretty much the only thing he did throughout the entire game. It was, but what um,
1: but what a contribution in all fairness. It was.
0: I don't know. it was phenomenal. And actually I don't I don't know if there'd be a, another goal that he'll score of, of that calibre again, to be perfectly honest no, with you. It me.
1: was a, it was one um, of those hits as soon as he had it, you at that send. You know, I mean yeah, it still had still had fifteen yards to travel, but you knew And I think I think
0: the it's harsh on McCrory to say, actually, it's a bit of a stupid foul to give away that led to the free kick. I thought it was, I must admit. And and I think that that's... An experience. Um, I, th- I think that's something you'll learn from, if I'm being perfectly honest. Although I will say, I did think that he and Wilson were, were pretty solid on Saturday. I think they did quite well. I think they did the business pretty well. Um, a couple of chances for Harps that, you know, on another day may have kind of gone in and, and Fordringham had to pull out a couple of decent saves um, Well, well no, to that, say, to that point I'm, Sorry Cammie,
1: sorry to, to interrupt you But to that point, I think that that reference Is something Alex said earlier about unlucky If Pedro's in charge Alex, and the young boy gets Put through, it's 2-0 isn't it?
2: It feels like it um, You even look at Miller's equaliser Big deflection off the defender over the goalkeeper It feels like recently Those are the sort of things that haven't really been going for us um, no, I could, could be falling into that trap of seeing what I want to see or, or looking, like we said earlier, looking for the things that make me think, well, it's not as bad as I think, not as bad as others think, or or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it just felt as though we had that little bit more luck, um, on, on Saturday mixed with a good sales yeah for example. Performance.
1: Yeah, and that, uh, well, that was the thing, and Kami, um. Let's face it, lads, to both of you here, but we'll start with Callie and then go to Alec. As soon as they scored, and we'd been all right up to that point. I had been good, but we'd been all right. The two sides that were totally shorn of confidence. And we should remember that Hearts had just come off a really insipid um, Edinburgh Derby defeat. And you had two teams that looked shorn of confidence in one moment of class. Let's face it, we all thought in our heart, you know how that this the script now for this is that we lose 3-0, one of our players gets sent off in a comedy fight you know, it's going to be a laughing stock of a performance and yet from the 30th minute to the end, I think not only did Rangers play really, really well we dominated the match, we locked the back door and as you say, the much maligned Wilson, uh, I thought with Rose McCrory was excellent, the full backs got forward terrific ball from James Tavion for the the second goal Uh, and We made chances and and looked good. You couldn't say that it was a good performance in the circumstances. It was just a bloody good performance.
0: Yep. Um, And interestingly, both of you have what I think uh, have had the same reaction that the vast majority of Ranger support has had when we've been able to turn a victory from being 1-0 down in that uh, if we're going to follow Alex's point earlier on about luck, Uh, we should have been playing against 10 men. And it's interesting that neither of you kind of picked up on that because had we lost that, I think that would have been the first thing that we would have went back to saying is another terrible refereeing decision has cost us points. But because it hasn't cost us points because that performance has merited the win, we're not talking about it as vividly as we may do if we had uh, drawn or lost. However, it's still perfectly valid that yet again, Another terrible refereeing decision has gone against us.
1: Well, Cammy, um, yes, oh, and I will. I would like to point to my notes here in the uh, mm. in the the staunch union Jack Paul Smith notebook of of uh, of heart and hand live show fame that I do have referee written down. But I just think that before we come to that, and we will, and we'll bury him that was a good display and I think that we need to acknowledge I thought that 1-11 were really good with the exception of Windass and even he then turns in a, a, a great goal for the third yeah. but for me the, the, I thought the, Wilson was great and Jason Holt I thought was splendid I mean he was every blade of grass but he played with an authority that I haven't seen from him very often where he was like I'm going to boss this midfield and he did
0: Jason Holt Actually, reminds me quite a lot of Stuart McCall, if I'm being perfectly honest. When I when I remember seeing, just McCall, I mean the the energy and work rate that Holt has was fantastic. But the reason as to why I, I specifically mentioned the the goalkeeper handling outside the area, David, is because that was the point that I thought, I think we were going to get screwed over again today because we're just seeing it so much this season. Yeah. And the reason the reason as to why I bring it up is because I I know and Alex will attest to this that when refereeing decisions are going against you and they're blatant some of them you just feel incredibly incredibly frustrated now let's not forget that that game came only a few days after the command game which again had another terrible decision in it however where you're then talking about um the players actually picking themselves up. That's one of the big things which I think actually I would give the players a lot of credit for, is that they're not allowing what we're now seeing as a series of horrendous officiating decisions going against this. They actually churned out that performance and earned that victory, despite that, that omission by Thompson. And I think for me, that's probably where I'm finally... I want to get to Alex's levels of optimism, actually, about character within that team, about belief within that team, of saying, "Do you know what? Fuck it! Even if we go a goal down, even if we've had a man sent off, we'll do it against the odds anyway." Yeah, and work and, and churn out that performance, you
1: know. Yeah, Alex. Um, well, you know, we will come to referees in a minute, but I, I want to get your take on the performance because, you know, we, we've slated Rangers a, a lot this season and deservedly so. And I thought on Saturday that, given the nervy opening, which was to be expected, there was no way they were just going to turn. And um, to be honest, have turned it round as quickly, even during the match. You know, from Wednesday and from Sunday, I thought was was deserving of credit. But I mean, what what was your feeling on the the performance
2: and who were your standout players? Um, in terms of the performance, and it's it, it, we've probably played moments or halves of better football. I would say over the ninety minutes that's the best we've played all season. And not just because it was a good performance, but when you consider everything that was going on, yeah, change of manager, yeah. the amount of players that were missing, you know, we you talked about the five captains earlier. We only had one of them on the field, one on the bench, that was all that was available. Um and as much as I know a lot of Rangers fans won't like to say it, Kenny Miller was the reason we won the game, not just because of his goals and his assists, but that's two teams playing low in confidence. The hearts had a very young side out. It's worth keep, keep keeping that in mind. I you know, mean, the sixteen year old in midfield, for example. Kenny Miller just kept he just he just kept his going. You know, he kept Morelos was excellent in the game and, and he kept Morelos honest. Jason Holt was excellent in the game. But Kenny Miller just seemed to be, you know, he was just that guy who went, I don't care how much this team's struggling, I'm gonna drag us through it. Got his goal Kicked on from there He didn't start the game Very well Miller no, Actually you um, no, look back He had some horrendous passes There was one in particular To Morelos In the first half that yeah. Had me screaming at him On the TV yeah, You know should have, mean? But, should have been a goal um, um, now, yeah, He does that But He just uh, He kind of He, he kind of Exemplified what was needed You know You would Christoph Berra And the Hearts team Being their most experienced player They were missing The likes of Don Kelly And Arnold Doom Berra got ripped to shreds By Morelos Whereas Kenny
0: Miller stepped up as the game went on. And that was probably what made the biggest difference in the match. Well that- see that can I just can I just can I just come in just for a second, David, because actually and it's a great point by Alex as well, because there's a part to me that actually thinks, see Miller's Miller's first goal, okay. If that doesn't go in, I actually think we would see the Kenny Miller of August, September. Uh, we wouldn't have seen it. that goal. Gave him so much confidence that actually, when you go to his second goal, if he hadn't scored the first one, if he'd had the opportunity that he, he converted for the second goal, I genuinely think he would have missed that header. But because he's got the confidence from his first goal, he he, he just he just guides that ball in. And it was a great cross yeah. by Taveny, but, but he just it, guides that ball in. It was a perfect
1: in. header, right into the corner with power. Aye.
0: And those two goals then led to a ball that pass. which went 60, 70 yards yeah. with the outside of his right foot to wind us The first goal actually created all of that for him. Yeah, he doesn't even attempt that pass if he hasn't got a couple of
2: goals
0: on him. Yeah, you can tell by how he was playing previously (coughs) because he wasn't getting those chances finished. He he just he he couldn't put two and two together. Whereas if you compare his last ten minutes on that park, as Alex just said, his first ten minutes in the park and his last ten minutes in the park, you're actually talking with two different players. No,
1: I, I absolutely agree and. When the team lines were announced, I don't think anyone was surprised to see Miller back, but I think back as captain took a few of us by surprise. And I think the initial feeling was, well, that's a, a bit of a kind of slap in the face from Marty from to Pedro. But I don't think it was, because A, I don't think Graham Murty's that type of bloke, and B, I don't think he's remotely concerned about Pedro. He doesn't you know day-to-day dealing with him. He doesn't care. I think what it was was to the dressing room to say, Kenny's back, and look, things have gone back to normal. Mm. Just relax, go out and play your game. And I have to give Graham Murty a, a hell of a lot of credit for just that decision alone, because I think it was very clever and it worked. I think that what it was designed to do, it did. And uh, you know, Murty gets you know obviously the more results he gets, the more the kind of mythic status of how good a manager he, he is is going to grow. And fair enough, you know, he'll earn that. But uh, I do think that he said it himself, all a, all an incoming coach can do. Is to try to you don't you can't change everything in two days, so you just try and get the players settled. And I think that it was a case of the players aren't as bad as they'd been showing. And I think it was he knew that he had to concentrate on the man management side of the game as opposed to maybe the the tactics and the you know all stuff that will need done. But in the interim, I think that. Alex, it was key for him to to just get them relaxed and happy and try and engender a bit of confidence.
2: I touched on this today, actually, uh, with some of the articles that went up. I feel as though Murthy carried himself with a lot more authority and confidence in the lead-up to this one than he did last season in the games when he first started. Well, he has some credit um, in the bank now. Yeah, exactly, yeah, it seems to me, if you remember, and I actually, for some reason, I vividly remember the, the podcast you guys had after, um, it was yourself and Cammy after, the, the defeat to Inverness, I'm sure it was the second, wasn't it, the, yeah. the second game that might had, so you had the defeat to defeat the Dundee and defeat the Inverness, that I think
1: was it was that way around. He, he won the first one, um, he won
2: against Morton, but yes, and then... Oh yeah, of course we're the Morton game, that's right, yeah, but um, I remember there was a two league defeats... Um, and there was a fair bit of anger at the fact that the board were taking so long to get someone in. Um, I believe the world's fucking youth coach came out at some point. Um, that sounds like and, uh, <laughs> But at that point, it was all kind of justified. He looked a little bit, you know, deer in the headlights. To me, this week, you know, from Thursday onwards, he, he, he pretty much took control, not just of the team, but the whole situation. Slapped down any questions about... Dressing room divides or reactions to Pedro losing it wasn't Pedro sorry and how players may react to that. He just slapped all that down and just went. These guys are going to go. They're going to play well. They're going to show you what they're capable of. And as you say, he made the right decision bringing Miller back in. You can tell by the celebration of his goals that there's no issues there. First two players to jump at him we second goal were Herrera and Candias. There are no bigger Pedro men in that dressing room than those two. You know. It, it all worked, and I just feel as though in that short spell last season he seems to have learned a fair bit because he did get better as it went on. And this time round, he just looked a bit more like you know he belonged in the role, mm. um, which will make a huge difference to the players because they no longer just look at him as someone who's just filling in, they're someone they can actually respect, you know.
1: And a nice touch from the Bears to sing his name, I thought, Cami.
0: Yeah, it was great, and I think. Um, Actually, Graham Murthy's stock just continues to rise, I believe, and I know that he got a good tribute um, when he stepped down um, in his first uh, stint as as caretaker. Um, The the thing thing with Murthy is, um, if i was going to be unduly harsh, I'm not going to turn around and pretend that Graham Murthy's, you know, doing a phenomenal job with the development squad, therefore he earns a shot at being able to try and take the big job. Now, that's incredibly harsh, but I will, you know, balance that by saying he actually is in a better position where he is and stepping into the caretaker role because he's not involved in what are quite clearly some of the internal politics that have been happening. So when he makes a decision to bring Miller back, to start Miller and to make him captain, he does so with this element of of he's fearless, he's got nothing to lose because... I don't believe for a single minute Graham Murthy legitimately believes that he's got a chance of getting the job permanently. Now, time will tell as to whether or not, you know, he, he has it in him to be able to merit, yeah. you know, that, that consideration. But he, he has the the luxury of being able to make those decisions without all of the, the rigmarole that comes with it about all of that kind of discussion. I don't think any of the three of us would disagree that if Pedro was still in charge on Saturday... Pena would
1: have featured at some point, but actually, he was completely left out of it. Yeah. I also think, Cami, an interesting comparison you could have at the moment with Everton because you have a manager, an interim manager in our case, who um, knows he's not getting the job and, to be honest, is quite happy with that. He wants to go back and he wants to be a manager at one point, but he's happy with what he's doing just now. And He is managing, if you like, with a little bit of, Alex touched on it, calmness and a sort of calm authority. Whereas if you look at David Unsworth at Everton, who's made it very clear from minute one, day one, I want this job and I see this as an addition. I think he's managing with that in mind, if you know what I mean. I think he's managing to to try and impress and is possibly trying too hard and it's working against him. Um, Whereas I think that in this instance you can see that Alex, what you talked about, that here is a guy who just, you know, he's he's done this before, so there's no fear factor or or anything new, and he just got on with the job on Saturday.
2: Yeah, um, uh, what the, you guys, I, I touched on this earlier, actually, with Pedro being under siege and some of his decisions being sort of, you know, on the defensive. Graham Murty's got nothing, as Cammy says, absolutely nothing to lose. He's going to step back in to his role in the development squad, no matter how he, he performs. Yeah as manager in these games um, we, we don't know he might have been privy to, to some sort of conversation to make it that suggests this might have been the only game I don't know if we're going to make moves this week to replace, to replace Pedro so quickly but um, you know, he, he does, he's able just to go out there, do whatever he wants to do with it, full in the knowledge that he has absolute job security because he's gone back to something, you know, straight away the minute he's replaced. So so it's a it's a fair difference to the manager who, as you say, lives and dies by every single decision they're making. And Pedro was facing the sack from from very early on this season and any decisions he made, he would have had that fully in mind. Um, it makes a big difference Unsworth actually As you say, at Everton That's uh, an interesting Situation for him But um, A conversation For another time But he's going to uh, He's going to struggle With that squad um, Big lads You, say, you noticed
1: that I mean I remember him being Quite a kind of big player But Jesus Christ It was as if somebody yeah. has, has Taken a, Has put a cup On top of a sofa That's what he looks like I mean the guy is huge
0: <laughs> the, the, the thing The thing I would say Is well about about the Miller-Murty relationship, also would suggest to me that when Miller was involved with Murty's development squad,
1: that
0: his attitude, his attitude was was spot on. Otherwise, because at the end of the day, it would be interesting to, to talk to Murty about this, actually, but I would wonder as to what he cares about more. Does he care more about his development squad or the temporary charge he has of the first team? Well, I think, because, like be, you say, I, th-
1: I think it would be professional, Cammy, to think about his reputation, first and foremost.
0: No, I, I, and, and I agree with that. And actually, as you say, his reputation is definitely growing as this as this kind of goes on. And he makes decisions, and he makes brave decisions. And listen, fantastic. And I think, like you say, almost every single Rangers fan has got a debt of action towards him. But what's interesting, though, would be, it, it would suggest to me that actually, when Miller was involved within the development squad, he, he obviously went in and did a professional job, you know, helped him out you know certainly he didn't go in in a huff he didn't go yeah. in and spit his dummy out and everyone else as well and that's actually probably that attitude when he went into the development squad is what's then allowed Murray probably one of the easier decisions to say actually i'm going to bring you back i'm going to put you in because you know i, I can i can see that you've got you know something you want to deliver here and maybe a point to prove and mm. I, I mean i think we'd say it in social media in the run up to the hearts game that if miller starts he scores i mean it Was i put money on it I was so convinced that it was going to happen. Um, and I think it was just, I think there was a degree of inevitability about it.
1: Now, Cammy's let us know what he thinks about it, Alex. So just, uh, you know, we will mention. I think Craig Thompson is a terrible referee because I think he's a show off. I think he likes to be the centre of attention. I think he makes decisions based on the game that he is refereeing and its status, i.e., He'll send someone off in a certain match that he wouldn't in another because he knows it will garner attention. I think his mentality as a referee is terrible. I think he's the the exact opposite of what a referee should be, which is somebody who tries to fade into the background and and not be noticed. I think he's the opposite to that. Now... we did get away with a similar one that Wes did at Hamilton last season when we beat them 6 1. So there's the argument that these things balance out. But again, that's when you have to go back and specifically look for it. What is probably more realistic is that is the sixth match this season in Scotland that could have turned on an egregiously wrong decision. And as someone who doesn't want to go full. You know, kind of Sevco obsessive on referees, they're not really giving me much choice because the decisions are so bad and they're happening so regularly that you are beginning to question why does this keep happening to us?
2: This seems very odd. It, it does, yes. um Two things For, on that instant, firstly, um, I felt a little bit sorry for Thompson because he was miles away from it because it was a long, you know, if if you remember, hearts have whipped in a set piece, which he's had to be at the edge of our 18-yard box to kind of look at the offside line for in any instance. Wes is instantly bulleted out the punt. Candace is chasing it down. He's nowhere near. It's very difficult for him to see exactly what's happening. So you can see him instantly turning to his assistant when when it happens and it obviously just gets left. So it's Thompson is a very poor referee, but I think for that one instant, not sure I'd blame him solely. I think his, his refereeing team certainly have plenty to take um to take on board there as well. Where was the fourth official they seem to to like coming in oh, yeah, again the,
1: the, uh, that's that's a consistency issue, isn't it? The fourth official interjects yep. after a yellow card has been given on Wednesday, and yet he doesn't feel the need to interject here that he? Uh, anyway.
2: Sorry, go on. Uh, yeah, yeah. But um but secondly on, on referees in general, I wonder if Cammy Cammy's actually got some refereeing qualifications, so he might not take this too well. But um I tend to find referees are the sort of people who are quite contrary and um, fractious in general. Mm. You know, like that's how they are in real life. Yeah, the, one, so the ones the ones I've
1: the ones I've known have generally been the type of person that you wouldn't necessarily want to get stuck in a lift with. I always think, you know, <laughs> what, what type of person wants to be a referee? I mean, in Cammy's case, it's understandable. He's five foot four. He, you know, he's he's always in my shadow, he wants a bit of attention, he gets a chance to go out there, he's not tough enough to join, say, the cops or the army, so it's his chance to bully people, I get that, but um, to be a professional referee, I mean, what sort of a person wants to do that? And I suppose the, the counter-argument to that is, Alex, from a sensible point of view then, well, yeah, us sitting here even joking about it, why would people join it? Well, maybe we need to go to professional refs, because people, fans put so much of their money into the into the game, and players earn so much that for a professional league, maybe we need to move to professional referees rather than having, as we say, some fucking dreary
2: accountant uh, on a Saturday work through his childhood bullying issues. Yes, I agree. Um, it might, I know people will point to the Premiership and the amount of referee mistakes down there and still say, you know, it's not going to make a huge difference, but, Things could be far worse down there if, if they were using a similar system to us. Oh, yeah. The refereeing you know, the is better wiki- down there.
1: I mean, it just is. You, you can't argue. You get the odd mistake, and some of them are really big. But I mean, we're we're getting one in our game
2: every week, and I know speaking to fans of other clubs, we're not a rarity. No, well, not yeah. It's worth keeping that in mind as well. You know, before anybody thinks that well, we're, we're jumping on some sort of conspiracy theory here. It's just a uh, poor refereeing in general. Uh, we we happen to we're commenting on what we see and obviously when it's our situation as well most of our games, especially away ones are live, so these things get highlighted even further again um, I think, as I was saying you've got that kind of contrary nature to some of the referees it's not; it's rather telling that the absolute worst refereeing performances we've seen this season against us have come in games where we have absolutely from the stands abused the ref very early because he'd made a poor decision I sometimes wonder if by doing that we get, with the character of these guys just thinks screw them then, you yeah. know? John Beaton was taking an absolute mauling 10 minutes into the Hibs game and he just got worse and worse as the game went on, you know? Mm. Craig Thompson, um, in fact, was it Craig Thompson that managed the game against uh, Celtic? Was it him that refereed that one? Was, wasn't it? Yeah, believe so. Yeah. yeah, he took a bit of a mauling when Morelos went down and we never got that decision never really turned his attitude towards us in any way. Um, Exactly the same in the Motherwell game. We were giving Stephen McLean an absolute ribbon very early and he just got worse and worse. I'm not blaming us for that. That's the reaction of fans. I just wonder if maybe these guys have got that sort of contrary nature about them where they're not going to be influenced by the booze in terms of, you know, evening the score up to the team to try and calm us down. They actually seem to enjoy the hatred,
1: Mm. you know? Cammy, um, do you want to defend jump in and defend your fellow bastards in the black?
0: <laughs> Firstly, um David, please feel free to let me know when you're making your UFC debut. <laughs> uh, anyway, um th- th- there's a couple of points to that I-, I think I, I don't I-, I don't like this idea of of you know, contributing towards conspiracy theories because I think actually what you're talking about is incompetence to some degree. I'm not on board with what Alex is saying about where Thompson isn't up to play um, for the incident at Murrayfield because actually I think um, one of the worst crimes you can have as a referee is not being up with play and putting yourself into an advantageous position to look at any potential incident which may cause you to have to take action. But that being said, that's also the reason as to why the referee is not the only official in the park. So he has assistance there to help him make that decision. And Alex is bang on. Watch it again, and the first thing Thompson does is look at his, his assistant. Now, what what I, I don't I don't agree with this idea of if you start doing the referee, the referee will start to 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 go against you and all that kind of stuff because actually I don't I don't really think referees to try and get that involved in what the fan reaction is. Normally if you're doing it, you're doing it because you want to make sure that you're not making glaring errors and that you're managing the game properly and that's that's a big part of where a referee has to use his skill is being able to, to work with the players to make sure that, and David hit the point earlier on, it's almost so that you become... Um, pretty redundant to the game you're not, you're not really called on for much because you don't want to be the center of attention as a referee that's the worst thing that can happen to you so actually elevate yourself into a position where you're going to start to give decisions in the other way because of the fact that the fans are pissing you off I don't really subscribe to it. but what I will say is we're not in a position at the moment where I feel that we can just allow this to go un- unchecked I-, I don't want to say it's a conspiracy theory but how many times does it have to happen before we have to then start taken action or making statements or actually come out to say this needs reviewed. Because Neil Lennon has already come out and wanted protection for his, his players. Um, funnily enough, after playing Motherwell, where we've had a player already uh, had to be substituted because he got a, a elbow to the face and got a broken nose and no action was taken with that. The no. compliance officer is doing nothing No, the compliance compl- officer thing
1: isn't working Because the, no, it's re- not. the review is but basically they, Who highlighted where, where, it's
0: highlighted in Where are Rangers coming out then? We don't need to say it's a conspiracy theory David But what we do need to be able to come out and say is The, the current setup is not working Agreed, it's, the it's com- not fit for the, the current standard is not acceptable And it's interesting that we make the point About the comparison of uh, being in England Where the money is And where you have training facilities And referees are much better paid etc as well but does that then mean that we should then not even... And I'm not saying overhaul the system entirely and inject it with loads of money, because we don't have it. But does that then mean that we just accept a substandard form of referee just because we're not in England?
2: Yeah, I mean... I, get, I think,
0: I totally I think agree. that's
1: good enough. No, I totally agree, mate. Now, moving on, because I think we are in agreement on that. I don't see how anyone couldn't be, but maybe, maybe you aren't, and we'll give you the contact details at the end where you can come on and tell us. But... We need to, of course, move on. Rangers do require a new manager um, for the second time this year. And the leeway that the board have to to get this one has changed because I think that they had their um, exotic foreigner card or their ambitious appointment or their left field appointment card. And I think they played it. And personally, I don't believe that, again, the ranking file, the majority of the Rangers support will accept... Uh, someone that they have to Google. Uh, I don't think that that will will appease the support this time. And I think that if you do appoint someone like that, they are doomed to fail because we know that what the the press reaction will be like. It will be uh, aggressive to the point of xenophobic and sometimes over the point of xenophobic. And I think that the sins of the previous manager will unfairly be held against... um, the new one, that he will almost be seen as a sort of continuation of Pedro. So that probably does limit where the, the, the manager can come from or the stature that he has in the game currently in terms of achievements that people in, in the UK would recognise. The favourite for the role uh, seems to be Derek McInnes and reports suggest that Rangers are looking to to make contact with him as early as this week. There were reports emanating on Saturday night that in fact the deal had been done already. That's not true at the time of recording. It may have changed, but it wasn't true certainly Saturday night. But there is an interest there. It would be stupid to deny that. In terms of people saying, well, would McInnes go? That's a, such a stupid argument. You know, yes, we're having a bad time at the moment, but we're Rangers. We had 14,000 at Murrayfield on Sunday, and Saturday for an away game. Aberdeen had 13,178 for a home game. It's, it's just no comparison. If we want him, I'm very confident he will come. But... The other names mentioned are maybe not the most imaginative bunch. The one who has been mentioned as as perhaps being imaginative is uh, Michelle Prudhomme, but I believe the club aren't interested in that because they feel that a manager who you know is risky, you know, foreign, etc., will anger the support more than more than will will make them happy. So I think it will be a very, if you like, solid, maybe not exciting. Um, there are applications coming in and there are literally and this is not an exaggeration, hundreds of applications have come in. Um, names mentioned as possibly having applied include Alan Pardew, uh, Steve McLaren. So there is a a lot for the board to consider with this move. The indicators point at this moment towards Derek McInnes as being the first choice. That's certainly not unanimous on the board. That's certainly not uh, uh, someone that they, they are, he's the only candidate. That's not the consideration, but that's the consideration at the moment. Alex, the thing with McInnes that people that Ranger, he, he's not an exciting appointment. I think we can all agree on that. And because of that, I think that some people are maybe doing down his record. The main criticism is his record against Celtic at Aberdeen is poor. Um, and that is, uh, however, his record apart from that is excellent. My concern, Alex, is that I wonder if he would be our Tommy Burns that he would get us solidly second but unable to make the jump to the next level. The counter-argument to that, I suppose, is, well, if he did and you know we were close to Celtic but losing because we're losing games to them, it's an improvement on where we are now. So I, I get that. And if it is McInnes, I think it would be an understandable appointment. As I say, maybe not the most exciting, but I would get
2: it. What's your view? Um Well, I've spent a few days taking a bit. Of abuse for being a proton advocate, as such. Um, I would really like to have got it. Seems as though that was never really realistic. Feels to me like, I just would like to mention this if you're blaming or if you're against someone because of the sins of the previous, you're no more than some. Spurned Female Who's blaming The new boyfriend Because the last couple Cheated on her Do you oh, know what I mean Or the other way about like,
1: Let's not be a sexist Scott's not here finally We can get on You know It's a new we can, era We can be okay I'll be gentle so like
2: with
0: like every woman ever yeah. <laughs>
1: Yes exactly It's a new era Of of, of PC Ironically This week uh, In an era where Where PC has, has gone So no
2: n- None of that nonsense please But yes I get okay. your point My apologies It's a rainbow world Yes <laughs> um, But I uh, <laughs> The, the the arguments for McInnes and his record with Aberdeen against Celtic they, they're a bit flawed let's be honest because Aberdeen have what a tenth a Celtic's budget I don't even know if it's about as high as that um, you, you know he's not expected to give them a game my, my concerns with him Sometimes in the bigger games He overthinks it a little bit He makes some changes to his team His best performance against Celtic In the last couple of seasons Was in the cup final um, Where he just basically played his best team And had a go And they were a little unlucky that day mm. um, Whereas in other games where exa- For example um, on Wednesday night he-, he changed his formation a bit He went with two strikers And I sometimes think he maybe Overthinks it a little bit When he's in the bigger games But uh, it would be a solid appointment I made the Tommy Burns comparison This week as well I think the biggest thing you've got to ask and I'd be interested to know what both of you think on this what would be deemed success for the next Rangers manager because really that's going to have a big influence on what your opinion is on an appointment
1: as we sit here tonight probably second uh, solidly much closer to them and a cup victory of sorts but we all know that within you know a year 18 month. We'll all be going Why aren't we winning the league It's just a fact It's unrealistic But it's still a fact And whoever gets this job Is going to have to understand That he's coming into a club With Expectations That are not going to change
2: Yeah okay So um, Obviously I'll let Kami Answer that question as well But you know Just to slightly expand on that Is it realistic To expect us To stop Celtic Winning
0: 10 in a row Cammy Yes and I think it's it's an absolute prerequisite of anyone who comes into that job uh, understands that that's that's exactly what has to happen. Um, I think that your your difficulty with being able to look at where that manager's expectation is—it's really easy to turn around and go, um, "We're Rangers, therefore we have to win everything." Uh, that's what we are used to as a club. That's what we're used to as a fan base, etc. And when that doesn't happen, then you know, fucking hell, mend you. Um, I think that we are veering towards a homegrown manager because we don't need to explain that as forcefully as we do to a foreign appointment
1: I think as well that you have to, again, the human aspect and the psychological aspect, the board know that if they appoint McKinnis and it doesn't work out, they're not going to cop a lot of blame for that because it's a sensible, straightforward, obvious appointment if they appoint Michelle Prudhomme and it doesn't work they are going to be slaughtered for that. And I think that that is a consideration, and we can say whether that's right or wrong, but I do believe that that's something that they are they are thinking. But the idea that, because of the name suggested, again, we forget this, because the Scottish press is fairly anti-Rangers, or significantly anti-Rangers, they'll come up with a list of names, because they'll say, well, you're skint, you know, to save Sevco, basically, right? The people applying, see, Rangers, bloody hell. You know, um, we are still a massive club. Uh, possibly we underrate it sometimes. And I think that we need to be aware that people look at us and say, there's a club where I could go in, I could win things, I could get access to European competition, I could you know, do my reputation no harm at all. And that is why the board should take time. Uh, or Mark Allen, I think it would be his job to to go through the the CVs. And obviously, you get you know characters like um, you know Scott's favourite, Tim Sherwood, who's um, rumoured to have stuck his, his CV in. Um, and while that would be entertaining, I think we have given Scottish football enough entertainment over the last few years in terms of laughing stock. Although, if he appointed say, Alan Paldew, yeah, it'd go tits up. But he would sink the head on Neil Lennon. So, he would. so you know, you know, swings roundabouts. So, Not as
0: forcefully as David McInnis or uh, David Unsworth would. Um,
1: David Unsworth could, if he nutted you, if he nutted Neil Lennon, Neil Lennon would go four feet into the ground. You know, it'd be like one of those cartoons.
0: I think. I think, I think the thing is, though, Davy, and having done recruitment stuff as well, but sometimes part of your part of your thought process has to be take the names off of the CVs. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if if you if you consider some of the names that have been linked alright and obviously some of them are ridiculous but if you look at who we talked about already McInnes <clears throat> home, uh Allardyce Steve McLaren Alan Pardieu David Moyes has also been mentioned so what to do is take their names off of it so in that list already you've got a guy who is current champion of a mainland European club you've got a former Man United manager You've got two former ex-England managers, albeit Allardyce was there for about 25 minutes. And you've got the current Aberdeen manager. And on paper, that shouldn't be a contest. Because actually, there are people who are more qualified than Derek McKinnis. But the board won't take that risk. I don't believe they can't, now. Because, I don't think. I genuinely because tried don't,
1: it. Yeah, exactly. I genuinely don't think they can. And again, you've got the likes of us. I mean, Alex, you, you and I both know Cami. You're the same, even though you know you sometimes can can come across a bit of cycle. But we'll back the new manager, right? We'll go whoever it is. We need to put our shoulder to the wheel and get behind this guy, right? That's what we do. But there are people who will go off oh, for fuck's sake, and if enough of them do that it's very difficult for the guy to succeed regardless of his abilities. It just creates a situation and a set of circumstances that will make it more difficult than it could have been. And for a guy coming in, I I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, in an ideal world, we go out and we get, I've mentioned before statement manager, we go out and we get somebody that no one can argue with the track record. But I think just being realistic as to who it's going to be, I'll be honest, at this point, all of my... Antenna switching towards McInnes That's what I think will happen Um, I don't know whether it's right or not But that's what I think will happen
2: I think yeah McInnes is almost a shoe in I think think we all know that I wouldn't be surprised if by the time people get to listen to this There's been some news broken on that at all But um, I just I actually quite like Cammy's point there If you take the names out of it It's not just the names you need to take out Take the nationality out of it as well um, and, you know, McInnes suddenly doesn't look as attractive. But the argument seems to be from many at the moment that the nationality counts just as much as anything else, in fact, more than. And I think that's where I, I slightly bridle, you know, that's where I get a bit wound up because I, I don't really agree with that at all. It, it's not a, that's, you know, I'm not blaming, it. I'm not sorry, accusing anyone of any sort of jingoistic attitudes or anything. I just think that. You know, to say that because the last couple of foreign managers didn't work means that the next one won't is a completely, you know, fallacious argument. When you consider
0: the last two British managers didn't work. Yeah, you know? I mean, absolutely. So,
2: but this is so yeah,
0: but yeah, but the the, the caveat to that though Alex is that it's foreign managers at Rangers. It's it's about being able to then turn around and say a, a Scottish manager comes in to our club. Understanding that they have to, they have to be able to weather a degree of a siege mentality from almost every single corner, except your support, who will back you to the hilt.
1: But be very critical and demanding. It's a tough gig.
0: Yeah. it's not. Listen, it's not easy because because fundamentally you're talking about coming into to an institution, and McInnes doesn't have experience anywhere near that kind of level and the, the problem you've then got is everything will be criticised to the nth degree in the media, and you will receive far more criticism, in my opinion, as a foreign manager of Rangers than you would do as a domestic one. And what's really, and, and I suppose this is the easiest way to be able to try and, and put that into its, into its context. Is we, we still don't have a Scotland manager, but isn't it interesting that we've got an international break coming up in a couple of weeks, and all talk about Scotland manager has been more or less shelved since we've got rid of ours. Yeah. And the far more uh, ink has been um, spread across the fact that we haven't appointed someone yet. And listen, and Alex touched on this earlier on about you know, how long it was taking the board to appoint somebody. See if we go into the international, but the worst case scenario, we get into the international break and we still haven't made an appointment at that, that stage. I can guarantee you the press will start coming out to say that we're in crisis because we can't get the men that we're after. And you know what our relationship is like with most of the, the news outlets at the moment, particularly the BBC. So if you go in and read McLaughlin's um, articles at the moment, he, he's coming out and basically saying, this is exactly what's happening to Rangers. It's all without foundation. And David's exactly hit the point where you're then turning around and saying, they're putting a lot of this together because they've got no inside information from the club. They've got nobody in there at the moment just now that can even give them this. And they're going to be too lazy to try and source another potential candidate, so McInnes will be their main point of focus.
1: Well, I'll draw things to a conclusion there because we've gone on a little bit, which is understandable, it was a big week this week and I thought we, we should give you a, a, a big podcast to, to to illustrate, if you like, or, or to, to illustrate the magnitude of the events. What I will say, and I'll leave the punters with this, is that Derek McInnes was at the same showing of Titanic as me at Linwood showcase in nineteen ninety seven, um, and he fucking cried. I'm just saying. I think that this should be out there when he okay. saw you,
0: because I think we've all done that.
1: Uh but, but don't 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 make me go there, right? Don't don't make me go there. Cami got upset because I wouldn't go to his wedding this weekend because I was moving house, and he's just he's just trying to get a dig back. But he cried at Titanic, and I think that we should we should. Would Walter have cried at Titanic, Cami?
0: Walla never even tried at Bazboot.
1: Yes, exactly, and and to be honest, you know, you know, some Tim drowned it, it can happen, right? I mean, Walter would have been like eh, life, but uh, all joking aside, if if something comes out in the next couple of days, then obviously we've got the pod on Thursday, we've got the video pods. If you go to YouTube and look for Art and Hand, please subscribe. You you'll find everything that happens as soon as it happens is, is up there. And if you want to talk to us on social media, I'm at Ibrox Rocks on Twitter, or you can search for Heart and Hand the the Rangers podcast on Facebook. If you want to get in touch with Cammy on Twitter, he's that. beat that beat alex if you want to plug your blog uh, it's very good and especially the at the, the moment because there's a lot of content getting put out there so so give them the blog the address and of course where they can get you individually on twitter
2: for the blog It's at Rangers News UK uh, And for myself It's at Strider 80 um, I'm putting up A little blog tomorrow Regarding uh, the, the manager And you know My sort of preference Flesh out about What we spoke about But uh, always interested To hear the thoughts Of anybody that's listening
1: What's the link for that For those who don't do Twitter? Um, just
2: uh, Rangers dot UK
1: Okay folks Thank you very much I say long pod And I really want to thank The two guests tonight I thought they were Absolutely brilliant So thank you very much Cammy. Welcome. Thank you very much, Alex.
2: Pleasure as always, David. Thank you.
1: My name's David Edgar. I've been your host. I'd like to thank an executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Miss Paul Myers, and I will talk to you again, barring anything major happening, on Thursday. Thanks very much for listening. Bye. Network.